Welcome to the Austin Art Talk podcast. My name is Scott David Gordon, your host. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen, and I do hope you're enjoying the interviews I've been sharing. The focus of this podcast is on the interesting and creative people of Austin, Texas. As always, my intention is to have meaningful and in-depth conversations that I hope will be of value to you, the listener. They certainly are to me. I really love doing these interviews, and hopefully we can all figure out together how to better connect and support our local art communities and create opportunities and success for ourselves through conversations like these. You might have noticed, unlike many other podcasts, this one has no sponsors. For me, it's a passion project that I create and produce 100% on my own every week please consider helping to support me and my continued efforts by becoming a patron of mine. Go to austinarttalk.com and click on the support tab to learn more. And if you really love an episode and have a feeling it might benefit someone else, please share it with them. It might be exactly what they need to hear. Thanks to those who follow and interact with me on Instagram, at Austin Art Talk. That is by far my favorite social media platform. I post daily about local art events and try to support and share the work of previous podcast guests, along with other interesting people, art, and podcasts that I find which you might enjoy. On to the rest of the show. Alejandra El Muele is a full-time ceramic artist who creates sculptures and pottery that merge traditional and contemporary styles and often feature the human figure. Her most recent and largest exhibition of work to date, titled Journey, interpreted the hero's journey and was inspired by events in her own life. By making pottery, which she sells online and at art fairs, she's able to create her sculptural work and explore it under less pressure to make a living. The creation of each piece is a dance of control, her unconscious, the limits of her abilities, years of experience, and the same doubts we all have bringing something new into the world. She persists until the presence inherent in the clay reveals itself to become its own entity. Being of service to something beyond herself, she daily finds joy and love through her work. Here is Alejandra. Thanks, Alejandra, for being on my podcast. <laughs> How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks for coming by my studio. Thank uh, you. Thank you for having me. I ran into you last night over at Coronado Studio. Uh, they had an artist talk there for you mm-hmm. because you had done a print with the Serie Project. And I also worked for the Serie Project for many years as a photographer and was able to see a lot of people that I knew. And it was a really nice event. And I really enjoyed what you said about your work. And I just thought it would be nice to kind of d- go a little deeper and be able to ask you some questions myself. You know, for anyone that's not familiar with you, maybe if you could just give us like a just kind of a general idea of how you see yourself as an artist or how you describe your work generally, just to kind of like an inter- introduction. Okay, I am a ceramic artist. I do a sculpture and pots, you know, basically, basically that. Um, and you do it full time, right? I am doing it full time. But also, you know, I have what I've done is um, make more room for a sculpture time-wise and that frees me from having in mind if it's going or not going to sell you oh. know so with pottery is like yes I, that is one of my concerns but with the sculptures I'm free to do whatever I want to explore okay so you they're know? like two different things that you, yeah. the way you think about them yeah you know your website is really nice I'd recommend anyone listening to check it out and see your beautiful work you have work for sale on there, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of artists don't have work for sale on their website, but I think mm-hmm. it's really beautiful how you have it laid out and you have pieces that are sold and some that are available. And how, how does that work? Does that work well for you? It do you does. sell work from yeah, your site? Yeah, it does. But also I do fairs, you know. Okay. Yeah, you were at Art City Austin last year. I was you? in that. And then there's a beautiful show. It's called Clay Festival in New Braunfels. I don't know how many people, probably 60 ceramic artists. And it's really beautiful show. Yeah. And that is every October. So I do festivals like that too. So you're doing your sculpture, but you're also doing plates and bowls and kind of mm-hmm. other smaller sculptures. Mm-hmm. and uh, That are more affordable. Yeah. And you had your, like some of your series, like your, is it Ayas? The Ayas. Those are beautiful. And like, the Sariris. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess that is a kind of a strategy that a lot of artists have, like I think about during the East Austin Studio Tour, is have like smaller works mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that are maybe a little bit more mm-hmm. accessible mm-hmm. financially for people to collect. Mm-hmm. And it's also a nice thing to, to do. Um, his sculpture can get some, a little bit 
serious too. So it's a really nice break. And then in, with pots that I love making pots. Oh. It's a nice, simple, straightforward shapes and it's a joy making them. Yeah. I wonder if doing the smaller works in any way is like a way to work through techniques or ideas and then that somehow translates mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. the larger works mm-hmm. too. That too. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I guess I'm curious, how long have you been an artist? Like when did that start? When did you first get into art I am or think not about sure. art? You know, I mean, growing up in Peru, I, ha- I was around uh, people that make some clay work. But it was known for the pre-Columbian ceramics, too. That is part of the culture. Um, that I didn't pay much attention being there. Once I lived here and I went back, especially when I went to Mexico, and I saw I went to the Anthropological Museum. Yeah. Um, it's mind-blowing. And I will go back to Peru with that, um, like, the new eyes. And yeah. I was blown away by the by the ceramics, the pre-Columbian ceramics. And what was mind-blowing about being in Mexico? Oh, the sophistication of the work. It's uh, exquisite, you know. It's exquisite. And last night, somebody was asking me what it would be there because something that I want to do is explore. I want to be inspired by the pre-Columbian ceramics and have my own take, you know, which is a contemporary expression. Yeah. But I don't know how it, what is going to happen there. Yeah. Because one of the things that uh, is amazing to see how modern their ceramics can be. Mm. You know, they are very, they are amazing. Could you maybe describe some kind of aspects of what pre-Columbian work is like? Oh my God, uh, there are so many, there are so mm. many. I mean, it's like the, the lines of the body, for instance, are... Um, Super elegant and simplified, like um, like a life drawing. Mm-hmm. You know, a very simple gesture. Others are more specific. Like in, the, in in Peru, you have these portraits. You know, and these portraits are amazing because they they were they had a section in the museum where they have the sick people. They were the the portraits of the people then to keep account or to keep. Oh, really? Yeah. So that is another kind of pottery. I mean, the, the, you know, the, the variety is pretty amazing. And were these purely art pieces or functional pieces? They were both. Okay. Yeah, they were both. You mentioned on your website um, having spent some time in the Sacred Valley of Cuzco, mm-hmm. you know, which you said is a center for ceramics. Like, what was was that kind of your first introduction to ceramics, or how did that inspire mm, no, you? No, it was. I was there with my kid's father. I didn't make the ceramics. I made the drawings on the ceramics that we made together. Oh, okay. Um, so we end up being in Cusco and Pisac, specifically in the valley, in the Sacred Valley of Cusco. And, um, you know, we spent probably a year there. And everybody makes ceramics in that little town. Oh. Very, very typical of the place. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. It's known for that. Yeah. So that was, that was Cusco. And that was key for me to be there. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, experience, that. and experience that, and like learning, and all, having mentors, le- and just being I, in the environment. I didn't that. have a mentor. You know, I have a mentor. Once I moved here, I I had this. You know, I want to do ceramics. Yeah, because in Peru, like I told you, I mean, I did, I made the pieces. Um, I made the drawings on the pieces. I didn't have, you know, I didn't explore the making, making. So I, you started I, out drawing as your art right, expression of right. art. Right. So okay. I did more, very few pieces here and there, but never, you know, produce a mm-hmm. series or anything. Mm-hmm. So I came to Austin and I started uh, in ACC. Oh, yeah. With Ishmael Soto. Oh. You know, and Ishmael was my mentor for a couple of semesters. And then I decided to go solo. And uh, I will go and say, hey, how would I build this? And he will tell me. And then I will go home and make, you know. So I will have him, you know, I will consult with him. And I made, I bought a little kiln. Hmm. And that was in early 90s. And then I decided to keep on doing it, you know, and exploring more. And, and that is where I, where I started. I think I started here, really. You were saying last night that, I mean, you, you did some classes at ACC, but you haven't officially had like a lot of formal training. Yeah, I haven't. Yeah. So it's sometimes that's really good, but sometimes also it's really bad because yeah. I don't have certain techniques that is, you know, basic techniques to, to build certain um, shapes or sizes. You know, you can, I feel very insecure about oh, many, yeah. many things. 
Yeah, you were saying that you feel like sometimes you can't completely realize what you have in your mind because you feel like you don't quite have the... Yeah, I, I cannot translate what is in my mind to the, the actual piece Yeah, because I have no idea how I can build that, you know? Like, how do I support this? Can I live how, how you know, how big, how thick? What is the structure inside? You know, it's like... I don't, I, I don't know. Things. Yeah, technically, yeah. But then, so then what is the work that you realize then? Like, how different is it from what you intend or imagine? Because it seems pretty realized to me, you know, your work and your ideas and... Well, I am working where, with what I can, you know, being able to realize. But there are things in my head is like, I would love to do this. I have this specifically one piece that is like, how can I do this? I don't know. And the thing with clay is once you made it, you, it's done. You know, mm. you cannot tweak it much, especially when it's already fire. So, a lot you of know, so for this piece, I need to realize how am I going to hang it from which points? What is the weight of this particular piece, and how it's going to hang in relationship to the rest of pieces? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I have to make it and then learn from that, and then from there you develop your own techniques. Yeah. So eventually, with enough work, you'll figure it out. And that is what happens. No, you know, you 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 spend time in the studio, and then that is the best way of learning something. But the thing of being not formally trained is that I have to spend more time, mm. you know, discovering that, you know, than applying it. But it's also maybe by not being aware of all the rules, then maybe there's fewer limits in mentally in how you might do something. Probably, yeah, but I don't know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a comforting that. thought to have. Yeah, and it could be frustrating, you know, also. But I enjoy. I mean, it's like there's this love that, um, ah. that is like being, seriously, it's like being in love. Wow. Uh, staying in the studio. Like, like I was saying yesterday, it's like I have no life, you know? I'm like, come on, do this. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You just want to work. Plus, you have deadlines too, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, not all rosy and, you know, because sometimes the work could be very, very, very tedious, you know, but, uh, but it's I, like this I nourishing... love being this, in the studio. After this trip that I, I was telling you, I went to Peru, yeah. I opened the studio and I was like, <sighs> home, oh, you know, wow. that, that is home. Mm. Yeah, I love being there. You get a lot of fulfillment from making your work. Mm. Like, what would you do without that? That is a good, I have no idea. I have no idea. You know, I've been thinking about that. A friend of mine was telling me, you know, she said, art has saved my life. Hmm. And I turn as like, yeah, save you from what? Right? And that is a question that I also ask myself, save save me from what? One of the things that I notice, if I am not um, working, I become really sad. I start questioning a lot of things and everything changes when I am working. You know, it seems like you have all this energy that needs to be put into something. When you don't, when I don't do that, it seems like it comes from from different places, and it's, it's an, a, an energy that is not being expressed, and, or it's being bottled and, up, and it turns into anxiety or insecurity or or sadness, disconnection. you yeah. know, or where it goes. <laughs> I always go is like nothing makes sense. You know, everything is kind of freaking. This is. What are we here again? Yeah, you know, what are the, we alive? What is this about? The ex- existential crisis. Yeah. Always. So <laughs> if I don't, I'm, if I'm not in the studio, that happens. So I create these projects, right? Yeah. So I start, I feel that is coming. It's like, hey, hey, let's do something. And um, the thing is, and this is what I am, you know, like questioning what is doing work to me? What happens? What is the mechanism in my psyche? Yeah. Right? Is it keeping me distracted from something that is actually real, you know, that, that really nothing makes sense, you yeah. know, that we as humans, we create sense, constant sense. We are all, we are telling the stories, you know, we are creating the narrative and the narrative that we create uh, makes us feel that everything has a sense and yeah. a reason yeah, and a, a purpose. there's a security in that. Right? Yeah. So it's like work, being in the studio means that to me, you know? And sometimes I think maybe that is distracting me from that reality, that hmm. really it, it, we need to create sense in order for this to make to make sense and to have sense. Yeah, no, yeah? I, I understand. So it's like, see, this is me. <laughs> <laughs> I need to go back in the studio. Yeah. You know? We should just stop right now. You need to go right? <laughs> work. <laughs> Um, yeah, you were talking last night about, I know that's a part of this, you talked about 
I mean, you didn't say flow state, but it said you said you almost get into these like flow states where it's just like you're so present and it's just happening and it's just easy. And isn't that what you were talking about? Sometimes, yeah. you know, it gets easy and sometimes it doesn't. And so, and that is the thing is like when do you, somebody was asking me yesterday is um, when it flows and it doesn't flow. So it's like sometimes you have an intention at the moment of, of working, it emerges, it, it happens, it's there. And sometimes you have an intention and it doesn't happen, right? Yeah. And something that I notice is that you, it's like you consciously want to do this, but there is some other aspect of yourself that is also running the show and is the subconscious, you know? And if you are not in tune, you are fighting against that. So my intention is to make this head turn in that way. And my subconscious is trying to make it look in the other way. And when I do that, it's not happening, mm. you know, and I, until I let it be, the subconscious chooses, you know. And I used to feel that there was just a choice of uh, um, aesthetics. When I look back, it's like, it's not aesthetics. It, it has, it made sense. There is a narrative that is happening there mm. that I was not conscious then when I was making it. Oh, wow. You know, so it's like... Um, so it's like something that's guiding you that you don't even realize. Yeah, and that is, you know, and I, that something could be the subconscious, you know, that is saying something, you know. Where do you and, think that wisdom intelligence comes from, though? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. You know, and maybe part of the self that is, you know, the, 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 the one that is not as loud, you know, is the subtle voice, but is very determined to go through. And pro- I mean, many things that I choose come from that. Many mm. things that we choose constantly come from that part. Other people come, you know, call the spirits or we we're talking about the genie yesterday yeah. too. Or I a mean, guide. Or who knows? Or yeah. maybe it could be all of it, yeah. you know. And do you think that if you're in the flow of going with that unconscious and you're not fighting it or like you were saying last night about working with certain pieces and you feel like you know you keep fighting it and fighting it and fighting it and then you finally give in to what it wants to do and then it's kind of and then you finish and it's it done. all of a sudden yeah it's done do you think that that getting into that flow and then allowing that to go in in a direction maybe you hadn't planned that that then is more likely to resonate with other people then because it's like more probably Probably. I don't know. I mean, like the last show we were talking about the journey. Yeah. It was, um, it was a combination of that. You know, it was a really interesting process for me, the show, because I saw a combination of elements that came together that was not me. Mm. You know, it was all of these elements that, that were part of the, of, of the show that make the show what it was. You know, a very cohesive thing that talked to people. You yeah. know, which was, it was so nice. It was so overwhelming too for moments because it was very humbling to see the people's, people's reaction. And that's your show called Journey. That, that was, was part of the Femme Abstract show? Right? No, the Femme Abstract was um, Moya McIntyre oh, okay, show. Okay. That was her core grant and this was my core oh, grant. Oh, okay, okay. And Colleen had another show. But they were in the same space. Same space, yeah, right, beautiful right, right. space, right? Yeah. I really enjoyed hearing you speak to the journey or the hero's journey last night in how that manifests in different aspects of your of the piece. Maybe could you speak mm-hmm. to that? This show was based on Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey. And I had 10 years ago, I had this amazing experience. And I went through, not knowingly, I went through these stages. Oh, right. Wow. So this, this, the show is loosely based on those stages. After that experience, like, I want to make a show, you know? Mm-hmm. And I made one piece as the first piece, The Departure. And since then, so I kept that one. Never show it here in Austin. And then slowly it was, you know, each piece was being made. Um, so when we, um, I was going to apply for the core grant here in Austin, you know, it's like, okay, let's do it, you know? So I had the, the, the idea already. So, do you want me to go through the stages? Yeah, I want to hear the journey? as much detail <laughs> so, as you want to give. So, according to Joseph Campbell, you know, you can... So, Joseph Campbell's um, studies show that the mythologies in, in many cultures and times, they share the same stages. Right. Right? So, there is this bad situation in your village, and you are forced to leave to find the cure, 
or the other situation is, is um, that you are curious to go and, and fetch and look for something else. Or you have the decision, you know, the firm decision, your will to say, I am going mm -hmm. because this situation doesn't sustain me anymore. So once you take the decision, you pass the threshold. And this um, piece is like this, these broken pieces, you know, are lifted and they make um, a threshold. So once you pass the threshold, according to Joseph Campbell, you enter into another realm, you know, which is the realm of the subconscious. Mm. Right or young, and uh, the first piece is called the departure after you pass the the threshold, and is this man and the whole show is like curve, it's a soft curve, right? Um, that goes against the the clock. Mm -hmm. So this this man is on this boat, but the boat has water, and he is pointing forward with the left hand. Mm. So the left hand is your, claro, it should be your female side, part mm. of the brain, which is intuition. The eyes are closed and he's pushing forward. The waters, according to Jung, is your, the subconscious. So you are basically navigating into your own waters. You are the vehicle and you are the water and you are the direction, mm -hmm. right? And the intention to go for something that you don't know how it looks like, but you need to find it. Yeah. Right. The second piece is the state of things. And this is made out of cut books, you know, yeah. and they make like this. The shape is like the li little relics yeah, and yeah. they are all put together like one piece, you know. So it's like this puzzle that we all are, this broken narratives from relatives, from people, from your stories, from your history, from your times. Mm -hmm. And also it's all the people that came before you for you to stand at that moment mm. disconcerted, asking yourself questions like they, they did before. But their journey also supports your journey. Yeah. You know? And the third stage is the hungry ghosts. The hungry ghosts are the aspects of the self, according to the Buddhist, that you were not tended when you were a kid. The traumas. And they are two, and they are standing or based on these others, you know, oh, and right. the others, they are all this uh, thread, white thread, pours down. And it's basically, you know, they, 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 they are hungry because they are hungry for something that doesn't exist. You know, it's the, the nourishment that they are looking for. But they, be, they also own, you know, and that is the paradox of, of that. And ghosts, because they are the presence of what is absent, you know, and once you face them... Mm. You know, you incorporate them. You don't. We all run away from our ghosts. You know, those are your your, your hang-ups, your psychological knots. And right. when you face them, when you incorporate them, you don't cut the knot. You make them your own. You mm -hmm. know, and they are not that scary. You know, and from there, you basically face what you they call you know face your fears. You don't make them disappear. You understand the nature of of that. Mm-hmm. And the next piece is called What Falls Away. And is this woman who is holding bundles in the head and the bundles are falling. At her feet is this um, half-sink boat. And is, you know, the boat that took you all the way there, it doesn't sustain you anymore. Mm. You know, it doesn't serve you. So everything is falling. And that is uh, when you cannot sustain your, you know, because the, the state of things is like when you finally, you know, realize where you are. And when everything falls, it's like when you cannot hold into things anymore. And you, is the first stage of letting go. Yeah. The famous letting go. Right. Let it be. You know, yeah. let it be what it is. And after that is the dissolution. And the last thing you drop is the sense of self. You know, this is who I am. This is who you are. This is what I want. This is what I don't want. This is what I like. This is what I need. That goes away. And then you open up for the epiphany. You know, and the epiphany is this piece when you walk, I mean, because you are going from right to left, is what is this torso facing down. And that part of the torso is black. So against the light, you couldn't see it well. So I need to move and then find where, it, where, where all the lights come from. 
and it's this white part of the of the face. And the epiphany is uh, finally, you know, you you found what you are looking for. But also, you know that what you are finding and what you are realizing is a temporary truth. You know, because when you look back and you look to the present moment, you realize that those truths are temporary, and that the, the truth, the ultimate truth, might not really exist. Mm. That is only a description, that it might not exist, because you know that you are holding into something, a new realization, that is probably going to last you some, and then you are going to have to share it again. And from then you move to this other one that is the um, reconfiguration. And the reconfiguration is this part where you are like settled in the moment where you are, something big happened, you don't know how your parts fit yet, you know, you look back because she's looking towards the journey, you know, in, in, the, in the opposite direction, and try to make sense of things with this new understanding. And that takes you to this piece that is called the memory of essence, which is this little girl standing on a pole, looking down. You can see that there is this empty space inside her. It's this place where you are standing whole, you know, where you don't need anything, where you don't need to be different. Hmm. where you don't need things to change or be different. You know, that's why it's called memory of essence, where everything is the way it's supposed to be. And there is a perfection in there, you know. And there's this moment of silence and this moment of recognition of that. And then you're just like, oh, you know, you remember that you need to go back, you hmm. know, because the new realization that you have, you need to share. Basically, it's not hmm. for you hmm. because you are this person that lives in this community. And the tenth step is um, the departure, no, the return. And there's this um, boat that looks like made out of bones. Yeah. You know, it's like eight feet and a half that is floating on the air. And there is this figure that is called the breath that is uh, based on pre-Columbian ceramics that is blowing this boat out of the space. And I wanted to do, you know, part of the threshold, I wanted to enclose all that area and have this liminal space where you can come through one threshold and leave through another one. But uh, it was a lot of work and I didn't have time to. Yeah. It will be like, what, 40 feet probably long piece, yeah. you know? Yeah. So you, you, you return and when you turn, you find the helpers, you know? In every journey, there is always, always something or someone that comes to your aid. And uh, these were these are small pieces based on the pre-Columbian ceramics too. They were breath. There was one, uh, silence, curiosity, courage, and persistence. So that was the, that was the show. And in my own journey, you know, in each, each piece has somebody there. You know, it's like I took an idea from somewhere and make it into my, my own. So every, every single piece have somebody there. Hmm. So when you came up with the idea of the show, it was structured around the journey, the hero's mm-hmm, journey, right? Mm-hmm. But you're saying that there was still some aspect potentially of kind of like your unconscious that created each aspect of it that maybe wasn't yeah. completely intentional, that yeah. somehow still Yeah, because when I, when I pictured the show, it's like, it's like, how am I going to, you know, what piece is going to represent what and yeah. how that is going to be. You know, so I had some pieces that I've made before. It's like, oh, this one is for that. Yeah, and also, you know, why do we have these myths? You know, because this is all based on myths. Myths, what are, what are myths? Myths are the stories that we tell to ourselves about ourselves, right? So these myths basically represent the human journey. We take many journeys like that in our life, but it basically tells you the same thing there is a moment there is this recognition that you need to move and find something but in the finding something you have to drop something you know and the drop is your perceptions your preconceptions your desires your whatever so you have to empty yourself in order to find something else so because you become a new in a way you know there is a death and a resurrection, a death and a resurrection, mm-hmm. you know. And that is, I mean, that is life. It's not only the human journey, but I think it's, I mean, the, the, the myth is the story, the narrative. That is all, it talks to all of us. Part of the beauty of the show, it was when I was explaining that to people, it resounds in them in many ways. And people will say, oh, I am here, or I am there, oh. you know, oh, I am here and there, because that is us. Like we're all at different stages mm-hmm. of that journey, mm-hmm. and it just keeps going over and over again. Right. I wonder if individual experiences can have that arc, and then maybe your whole life has the arc, too. Of- right. 
because we live in bones. That's why I wanted to have it like the last boat that mm-hmm. reminds you to death, you know. Yeah. And it has this flower-like ends, you know, that... So that was a pretty powerful experience for you, creating that show it and then was. seeing it realized and then maybe yeah, talking to people it, it about it. It was. I was not expecting that. Hmm. I was not expecting that. But it was, it, was, it was beautiful. Can you share any moments in particular that were really powerful for you, like alone or with someone else around that show? People. Just talking to people and, and seeing the emotion in, in people's, you know, the the reaction, the emotional reaction. And uh, people that I never meet before, we say goodbye with a big, amazing hug, you ah. know. So it was this opening of hearts, you yeah. know, of being human, recognize each other as human. And no, it was beautiful, really. It was such a beautiful, beautiful experience. Yeah. I mean, when you were creating the work, could you have imagined that outcome or are you just kind of in it? No, I was not, you know, I was doubting it. Mm. Seriously. I was like, oh my God, this is not going to work. How is it going to fit? This is going to look really bad. Mm. You know, I am improvising here. What is happening? You know, until we put the walls in the biggest space, Yeah, these are like which red were four, walls that are like four by separate. eight walls, yeah. nine of those. They were painted deep, deep red. And when they were standing, they were presents. You know, it was yeah. like somebody is, you know, I, I was um, talking with my brother when I walk into the space. It's like, oh, my God, they look, you know, like these are beings mm-hmm. that came to this gathering, you know. And so when you enter the space, they were like in a big semicircle, right? Mm-hmm. So and, it, and, and no, tre- there was nothing, oh, okay. you know, there was nothing. It was there and it was just like, wow, something happened, you know. So basically, and the work wasn't there, Yeah, you know. So there was something that already came to meet me. Mm. You know, that is the way I was in my magical thinking. Yeah. Something came to meet me, you know, they, they were coming and they received the work. So each, each wall for me was kind of a life, ah. you know, so they received the work and it acquired like a car, um, um, characteristic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was a whole, and then the lights and then the threshold and then everything was done. And when I look back, you know, uh, there was something that was there. I have no, it was energy. There was this beautiful mm-hmm. energy. And the, the beauty of that is that what I felt in that space, people were telling me that, that they were feeling too. Mm-hmm. You know, it was this pool. You know, you feel like compelled to walk into the space. And when I saw that, it was this really funny feeling because it's like I am inside my head mm. kind of thing, you know, that you can see it from the outside, you know, this inner world that you were able to see it from the outside. It's like I'm walking into, you know, what uh, was in me. Yeah, that must be incredibly fulfilling to just be able to look at that and be like, wow, I created this. No, that, no, that, 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 no, it wasn't like that. Oh. You know what it was? It's like... um. I think I was telling you yesterday or our friend is like, you make your homework, you know, you have, I'm going to make these pieces. This is going to be like that. I'm going to install the walls, the lies, the mm-hmm. these, the that. Mm-hmm. You do your homework, but you cannot take credit for the mm-hmm. whole thing. But I'm serious. I mean, this is probably this magical thinking, but what happened there or what it was, it wasn't me. You know, it was more than that. Maybe, you know, the combination of all the elements together, that wasn't me. It's like you do your homework and something else comes forward. And that, I cannot take credit for that. You know, and I think that Gilbert, you know, mentioned that with the genie, that -hmm. the Greeks had this knowledge of, or this belief that um, in any creative process, you have an inspiration and the inspiration is this spirit that is the genie. Mm-hmm. You know, and if the war came really well, the connection with the genie was fluid and perfect. Mm, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. If the if the work didn't, your connection with the genie wasn't right. good. So you didn't, you know, you didn't feel crappy. You know, it's like okay, my connection was not as as good as you know before. Yeah. So it, this is it was overwhelming and it was humbling. And and then this probably what happens with everything. You know, you relate with this life force that that is why I felt there is this is life and this is happening and everything like you have these moments in the studio where everything flows that was a show everything flew beautifully you know and sometimes it doesn't happen like that but you cannot I mean I was not fulfilled I was humble you know and I, I was joyful you know yeah it's a, it's a different thing well, I think you but know? what about all the doubt 
I mean, does that drive you? Do you feel like that's part of it too? Like you need to have the doubt to keep pushing forward? Kind of like, I don't know if this is going to work and you keep pushing. Well, pushing the doubt pushing. is, you know, I never made something like that. I never um, had a whole installation like that, you know? So you doubt how is it going to be? I mean, yeah. is it going to be too precarious? Is it going to look good? How, you know, until you, and now I can, you know, go back and say like, we'll change this, 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 that. And I think that I was from, you know, comes also from not knowing how everything is going to look because I didn't have that experience before. How does having that experience of creating that show then make you feel about creating work going forward in another series? Do you feel like, oh, I have to try it? How am I ever going to top that? Or does it not even, is that not even No, relevant? you know what I feel? I feel supported, you know? It's like I, I don't know how. I, why, why, I mean, I feel supported because there is this, I'm, it's like this love, you know, mm. it's just this love that you have. And it, uh, what I feel is like that is home to me. Maybe not. I mean, maybe the next show is going to be kind of like, eh. but it's not about that either. It's about the process of doing what you feel that you love to do. And that is the love that you take care of. You know, that is how I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's, yeah. I almost feel, though, like I imagine there are people or artists that have a lot of fear to do what they love fully you know there's a lot of fear around practicalities of life or taking risks or i don't know how do you think about that does that stop you i guess it doesn't but oh uh, you know well yeah i mean i go through that it's like there was this one piece that i was making for this other show one piece one little piece and uh like i was like drawing thinking, how am I going to, again, techniques, how am I going to build this thing? Like this, like that, no, it doesn't work. Thinking, thinking, drawing, until it's like, okay, you have spent three days thinking about it, go to the studio. And I am in the studio morning time, afternoon, four in the afternoon, it's like blank, Mm. you know, doubting every single step. It's like, "Mm -mm, I Mm. cannot. And I was like, like a little girl, okay, now start doing it, you know. How? I don't know. But there is no, you know, I was blank. I was frozen. Yeah. You know, like, mm -mm. you know, just start somewhere. And if it doesn't work, you know that this is not working. Try something else. You know, so I start making it and that's it, you know. And procrastination too, you know, you can go around because it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's not an easy process always. You have, you have your, you have your blocks, you know, I do. Yeah. I do have my, my fears and my blocks. But the thing is, like, fear, you could, you, you, you know, it's not not being afraid. You can be afraid, but the thing is, like, you go, you go, go through things by being afraid, too. And when you get paralyzed, well, push it, push it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And that's why I like deadlines. Ah, that's yeah. why I yeah. like commitment outside from what I want to do or, you know, because you create these spaces where you are, you, you are pushing yourself forward. It's like a structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, yeah. And accountability. Mm-hmm. So you seek out deadlines by applying for things or creating shows or, mm-hmm. and that keeps driving you throughout your year. Yes. What are you working on at the moment? What are you driving towards right now? What am I working? I'm working on right now on these two heads that there are going to be two torsos for a show in here in Big Medium this March. Mm, yeah, it's a group show, and then in April in uh, San Angelo, in the Museum of San Angelo, and then I'm going to have a residency in Bali. Mm. Two months residency uh, where I'm going to be exploring um, two months of an immersion of pre-Columbian ceramics and a contemporary um, take, you know, like this conversation that I want to have. I've been having for a while, but I didn't uh, explore it fully. And they have um, all these kilns, you know, high fire. That is something also that I wanted to do is high fire with this kind of pre-Columbian look. Um, because they're all the pre-Columbian is low fire, you know. Oh, okay. So the soda fires, you know, all this. I'm looking forward to it. So pushing forward, experimenting, mm-hmm. trying different things, mm-hmm. being inspired by other art and artists. Mm-hmm. And then what's happening there? Well, and then is the end of the shows. I'm um, at the end of the year. Sorry, um, that it will be August, September, and then the summer. I'm going to be working for the shows at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. You know, so I come from Bali, and and then. 
the fairs, and that's the year. Yeah, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you could just speak for a second about something that you said on your website about working as a way of revealing, making visible, bringing into the light. I guess we kind of have touched on that. Mm-hmm. But. Oh, that be the, the, the word that I do works on me at the same time? Yeah. That yeah, too, and just I mean, being vulnerable totally. and Yeah, you. exactly. It's like, for instance, when, you know, you have all this time to see yourself in the process, right? And it's like how fearful you are, to what are you fearful, what blocks you, you know, how do you go through blocks? Uh, that's why something that I love about this uh, is the persistence, you know? It's like when you persist and then you keep on going, you go through things. And when you are on the other side, it's like um, you can see the process and you there is a gain, you know? In, in not only knowing, you know, the way you are or how you are made out of, but also the beauty of persistence, Hmm. You know, and not quitting because you are frustrated or you're afraid or whatever reasons. And when that happens, how does it happen? So when I am trying to direct the outcome of a piece, it's like, what is happening? What is the resistance? It's basically, it's your, all your psyche is, you are working with your psyche. And your psyche is working through clay. So there is this mirroring that you do in and out. And uh, sometimes when you have pieces that are made and then you look at them, you can see these aspects of, or you remember the process. It's like a meditation. It is a a meditation. Any big realizations or things you've learned about yourself through working? Through working, basically, is that that, uh, that I have, like I was saying yesterday, to notice that there is this different kind of attention, you know, like the one that comes from your eyes to your hands to the piece that you are working the other one that sees you working and there is this other one that I can actually rest you know there is this other attention that is super quiet that is basically not active somehow that is the the reference point you know where you can see and this is you know you have all these ideas and then you move for instance the hand to the left to the right to the you want a a hand moving in which direction you know in in this sculpture and then you move it until you find this yes here, you know. And if you feel that the yes here is not just an aesthetic point of view, you know, there is the subconscious telling you, mm-hmm, this is what I wanted, you know. So those little pieces of information come out through the work, you know. So is this in and out kind of conversation, you know, is this mirroring, right? Yeah. That happens. Maybe explain a little bit more about this, like you were saying, about being held or this kind of like... With this attention? Sitting in this chair. Yeah, with this attention. I have no idea what it is. I mean, it's like, I don't know how to explain it. But I remember, actually, I wasn't even in the studio. I I fixed things in my house, you know, and I was sanding this... I was doing something with a fence and then I was working, working, working and I realized that I was putting all this energy to the front of this attention, you know, from my hands to the wood, to the sanding, you know, and I was kind of frenetic doing it, trying to make it fast and well and then I removed myself because I was seeing my, myself working there mm-hmm. and then I move it far, far, farther like a chair. And I was like, okay, this is really interesting. So I sat really well, you know, resting I mean, there is all in, in, in your mind, resting there. And all of a sudden, this work out here in the front of my attention was smoother. Hmm. And I was not getting as tired, you know. It seemed like you are not all invested here in front, you know. But there is these levels of attention that you can actually relax and being held by. I have hmm. no idea. But, I, you know, it was like, and then I just started doing that. And that was not in the studio. It's just yeah. like, you know, it was just observation, I guess, and how you tweak it. I mean, try, try to do it. You will, yeah. you, will find, you will find your chair. Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I want to try that. Is it like a way of feeling through something instead of being you know, yeah. so invested in it? You, you know, know, I mean, you know the feeling of investing right here. Yeah. Try to move, you know, back a little bit and, and, and farther back. There is something there. One thing I was kind of curious about I just want to hear your thoughts about clay itself. Tell me about clay, working with clay, kind of the ideas of clay, what it represents, you know, like, cause that's like your medium. I just want to maybe hear about that a little bit. Cause you were saying, I think I'd read somewhere you said, yeah, you know, clay that is, is the us. Thing that right? we are made out of. Yeah. Yeah. It's not only clay that we are made out of, but also we are, 
we say that we are from Earth, right? We are, this is our, what do you call it, Mother Earth, right? Yeah. But if you see the other way around that you are it, you know, you are Earth. We come from Earth mm-hmm. and we are going to it, you know? So the way I see it is like if you do a slow motion on this round, beautiful thing, you yeah. know, it moves, you know, it pulses, it moves, and we are one of the motions of this being. So clay is that, it's like part of who you are too, you know? So if we are earth, so we are not from earth, clay doesn't come from earth, clay is earth, Yeah. right? So we are different expressions of this life, you know, that is this planet. You know, so if you put in a, in a super fast motion, you know, all the life that is on top, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. it moves, it moves, it moves, you know, it's just this, like we have all these living beings in our skin. They are for us, you know, mm-hmm. really. Yeah, and clay is just life that existed before that decomposed down into exactly. the substance that's exactly. made up of who knows exactly. what. And, 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 and people. Yeah, you know, people too, your ancestors, and you know, you make it into a base. You know, I mean, we are it, and um, we eat from it. It's like these cycles yeah, yeah, of living yeah. cycle, and then you basically go down and grab it, and then you make something, you know, you transform it. That is what we do. And that is probably what life is, right? It's this trans- constant transformation and motion, you know, and that is where, where we have narratives of meaning, and maybe nothing has meaning, only for us humans. You know, we have to make stories, the beginning, the end, the reason and the no reason of things. And maybe it's just motion. You mm. know, maybe you just emerge and then you go down, you know, and that's it. And then you change into whatever, you know, you are going to be part of a tree because you are yeah. dust. Do you think of the the sculptures that you make as beings in themselves? I mean, do they have personalities? They have certain feelings that you get from them? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I do. Hmm. I do, and some more than the other ones, of course. But I do feel that I there is a there is there is presence. And when I work I go for the presence. You know, if the if the piece doesn't reveal something, you know? itself is is not there yet and i keep on working you know but it needs to be i need to see it coming you know until it arrives is there yeah so i was you know that is the the motion the journey the intent the the will is to go and meet the presence or the curiosity too is like i I have this in my mind is like i want to see it you know and then it's like oh you're here you know it's a searching you're here yeah with your hands, you're searching mm-hmm. and molding and mm-hmm. sculpting and mm-hmm. cutting away and adding. And mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Well, how do you, how do you see your work changing in the future then? Like, how do you... Need no idea. No idea. No idea. I cannot see much, really, you to just, this into the future. You, yeah. I'm so bad at that. Are you like, more about the present moment? Is that kind of your thing? Yeah, I work, you know, it's like my, my future is like it, it's as long as a year. Yeah, I can never plan much. So I have no no idea. Mm-hmm. Do you? Do you do that? Can you? Uh, I try, but I can't. Yeah, it's hard. Right? So what's what's what do you think overall is just driving you to create, to keep going? I like doing it. I mean, that's the only, you know, to be absolutely honest is I like it. I don't see myself not doing, because I, I get really sad and very, um, you know, existential yeah. crisis. So it's like, okay, you know, let's put this energy to work. I mean, it doesn't sound like a way of avoiding yourself. It sounds like a way to go into yourself and, and grow and explore yourself. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you were saying earlier, you thought, is it just a distraction? But I feel like it's the opposite. There is, there is an exploration, yes. But it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's loving, you know? It's like, I don't know. It's like, seriously, it's like being in love. I, I, you know, I cannot compare it to anything. It's like, it makes me deeply, it, there is a joy there, you know, that keeps you making you, you know, go back. And I don't know what it is or what, you know, but there is this joy. 
So, you know, so it's not like the old image of an artist that is all conflicted and, you know, this tragic look into, you know, it's the opposite. I become like that if I am not in the studio. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, it doesn't make any sense. Why are we here? <laughs> you know, humans are horrible, which which probably we are. But, but you know, you have this other outlook, you know, in the, through the practice, you know, there is something that I love. It's... um. In you, 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 we call sacrificio. What is sacrificio in English? Sacrifice. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. But is the, the the root is sacro officio, the the um, holy endeavor. Mm. That is the that is the meaning. You know. So this is how I feel with work in general. You know, is your endeavor to an activity that allows you to grow, and then you choose from there where, in what direction, or what you do with it. Why? Because I think is the place that we decided to put our most attention, endure attention. It's like, what, eight hours, ten hours, whatever hours. So when you focus on one aspect, you are going to do something with that, you know, willingly. You know, and if you love your your work, is uh, your sacro officio. Is it, in, in a way, being in, in service of something larger than yourself? I, I believe so. You know, and I don't know if that is true or not, but you feel that is, I I don't know how, the best word that I can use for that is joy, a simple joy without putting it more like, you know, who knows what's right. Right. It's like, it's joy with no interpretations. Like we were talking earlier, you know, with no interpretation, it's just simple joy. Why? Because I like it, you know, (laughs) you know, I do. And there is something straightforward. It's just, it's, it's playful. Creating something, creating whatever is playful. And probably therapeutic, I would say, too. Probably. But it's a simple joy, you know. It's, yeah. And it's not only, you know, sculpture is pots. I mean, it's the joy of making a bowl. You know, that's a simple little container where you can drink from. It makes me happy. Yeah. You know? Well, I will enjoy imagining you being happy and joyful in the studio <laughs> as you continue to make more work. Uh, well, thanks for being on my show. I really enjoyed uh, everything you said and your time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, good luck with everything you have going on this year. Thank you. Thanks for listening. One more thing before you go. If this episode or any other I've produced have helped you or added value to your life, please support the podcast so it can continue and grow. Just go to austinarttalk.com forward slash support. There you can find a link to my Patreon page and there is also a PayPal option and an Amazon affiliate link. I couldn't keep doing this without your help. All the best to you and take care. 